Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Jack English and this is City Hall Stories. These are conversations with local government leaders who are imagining, designing and creating our future societies. Aspirational governance is the most effective way to build a healthier future. And this podcast is built to be a source of inspiration for anyone who looks out their window and says, let's do better. I hope the incredible humans you'll hear from deliver that inspiration. South Texas has been the focal point of disaster for the past 18 months, and Nueces County is no different. Overseeing a quarter of a million residents, Judge Barbara Canales is the chief executive officer of a county which faced hurricanes, snowstorms, and at one point, the highest COVID positivity rate in the USA. Today, we talk leadership, how family informs her decision-making, and the toughest decision she's faced while in office. Sprinkled throughout are beautiful verbal paintings of Southern Texas life and why it's such a special place. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Judge Barbara Canales. Good afternoon, Judge Canales. Uh, I think a great place to start would be actually with your title itself. On name alone, most people would place you, I guess, on the judicial side of governance rather than the executive. But in Texas and I think a few other states, the county judge is essentially the, the CEO is there a history behind this nomenclature and are there unique aspects to your role when compared to, say, a traditional county administrator or county manager? Yes, there are. It's a great question. And it goes back to Texas folklore and Texas history. So when Texas truly was the wild, wild west, we had only constitutional county uh, judges. This represented the form of government that best suited a rural Texas. And you might have heard uh, in history of the very famous Judge Roy Bean, you know, the law west of the Pecos. This is coming directly from Texas's constitution, which formed constitutional county judges, not only to administer law and order, but also to be the administrator of the entire, in those days, territories, regions. But this county is one of the oldest counties in Texas. Today, we serve as a interesting hybrid. The county is urban and has constitutional county courts, so I don't hear cases. I could, but I have courts of law to do so. However, many county judges in South Texas do hear cases and do also serve as chief administrator. The role that I think is most intriguing is that the governor of Texas has certain powers under emergency uh, situations that flow to county judges. And these are the powers that we've been working under for so many months now uh, to deal with disasters from hurricanes, explosions, and winter storms to, of course, the most famous of them all, COVID-19's pandemic. So you lead in the same area that you grew up uh, in Nueces County and in Corpus Christi, really. In what ways does this background positively contribute toward your work? And maybe on the flip side, do you think there are aspects of local government leadership that may actually benefit from working in an environment that you're pretty unfamiliar with? I think that having been born and raised here and in so many ways become an adult here, I find this to be such a huge advantage. This is not to say that outside eyes and perspectives are not always welcome. In fact, I always seek to surround myself with experts from all over the Lone Star State. But I have to say that I have a unique perspective, having a much, I think, finer tune into the aspects of my community, only in the way that uh, someone who has lived here can feel. 
And I don't just mean that from neighborhood senses. I mean, I have a deep appreciation for the coast because all young teenagers love to spend time at the beach. I have a great fondness for the rural community because my family grew up ranching. And so I think that in order to really serve a community, you must find a way to connect with that community. I feel that having grown up here in a way that my family is intimately connected, for instance, on my mom's side, it really goes back to the 1700s. And so I think that that is, it's not just a source of pride, it's a finding truly of love and affection. And so I don't feel like there is anything that I can't learn because somewhere in my six degrees of separation, I'm going to find a connection to that part of the county, that community, that ethnic group, or as we say, whatever challenge lies ahead. It's coming through already that you really have a deep appreciation and using the word that you use, love for the county and and South Texas in general. To someone in Massachusetts or down here in New Zealand, what is the flavor of South Texas? Can you define it? What makes it a unique place to be? What are some of the reasons that you feel so deeply connected to it? I love the way you said it, from Massachusetts to New Zealand. I think I can best describe it in this way. You can be sitting in an office building in downtown, and within one hour, you could be feeling as if you were on the Serengeti in Africa, because that's what it feels like to be on the King Ranch. It is amazing how the brush country is so close to you. And the wildlife and the exotics that can be bred there create this ambiance that is like no other. And in fact, people do come from all over the world for its fine game and incredible opportunity to observe wildlife. And yet you can take another direction and go an hour in a boat because we truly are the largest urban center in the Gulf of Mexico. And you can find blue water and massive tuna and sail and marlin. And so I think it's a phenomenon that doesn't exist in many places. It's also a place where there's a rich history of both Native American, indigenous people, uh, mestizo, a big mix of both Spanish and Native American. And this Hispanic culture is so rich, it permeates everywhere. It infuses your senses. It's in the food. It's in the way we speak. It's in the manner of dress. And it sounds cliche, but it would be odd not to see my father in boots with a suit at the courthouse. Or, for example, it would be strange to not have a taquito, which is a familiar breakfast item, which is basically eggs inside a flour or corn tortilla. That is a staple of almost every restaurant in town. And sometimes we don't even notice it. The art is also incredibly influenced by South Texas living and life, having a real, I would say, you know, richness of of color. And also in theme, there's a lot to be said for the ocean and making its grand influence in so many different artists. It's just an amazing place to grow up. Because I do think there is a humility to us. We are people of the land. We love uh, being outdoors. Wouldn't say that we're big city feel at all in South Texas, even though so much of what we can accomplish, particularly in the world of trade, is very global. We are the largest crude export port in the nation. We are in the top four in tonnage in the nation. We also, within 150 miles in the southerly direction or west, 
are some of the largest ports, inland ports for trade. If you like vegetables in the United States, it, chances are they came through South Texas and crossed the border. So there is this patchwork, if you will, of all these different business and economic confluences coming together. And it's mixed with seeing people that feel very Texas, but also there's this very rich Spanish and indigenous influence. And it comes so naturally to to me living here to speak both English and Spanish every day. I catch myself even with words mixing them because it just feels natural. But as a result of this beautiful mix of heritage, it also comes with it a sense of family and a strong sense of, as I said, connection to the earth. And so we don't find it weird at all to have an industry or an industrial sector right next to an incredible area that promotes tourism and birding and conservation efforts with Kemp Ridley's and Apomato Falcons. Somehow we have found a way to live in harmony. That's not to say we don't have our problems, but it is to say that we are a resilient breed. I, I did really enjoy that vivid picture you painted of rivers and gulfs and flavors and tastes and languages and everything in between. Moving more into the local government space, correct me if I'm wrong, you were always engaged in what I'd call local government adjacent work, but it wasn't until you were actually elected county judge that you began officially working for the county. How has your perception of Nueces County government and perhaps local government in general shifted since actually stepping into an official capacity? No doubt. I thought I could change the world <laughs> quickly. I still think I can, but I know now that I need a huge village and team behind me, and I know that I need to have patience. Government works slowly, but it can work. And I do think that the change in me is when you're on the outside, it all seems as if with a swoop of a pen or a change of a human being in one chair, that everything can move swifter or quicker. And what you realize is that the protections that our democracy has and the transparency that Texas government mandates is that it requires time to accomplish great things. I heard it said that if you want to achieve little things, then make little sacrifices. If you want to achieve great things, make great sacrifices. And so the sacrifice is, is that you must be patient. And maybe I didn't see it so clearly on the outside as a community organizer or even as an appointed official. But as an elected, I can tell you that it's valuable, incredibly valuable to get community input on big ticket items or big visionary ideas. It's absolutely important to listen to the people that are 100% against you because there might be something that can bring you to compromise or a consensus in some part or all. I think that that is part of the most valuable lesson that has hit me really in, in now that I'm in, let's see, am I? I'm in year 2.5. I wanted to build Rome overnight. And I think that we have done amazing work and I still try to work fast and furious, but I can say that there, I have a greater appreciation for making certain that all voices are heard, that all people get to come to the table because the end result is stronger. So often I even change my mind and have a different perspective after sitting with colleagues who I didn't think I could find any commonality. Government is meant to be hard. It's not meant to be a rubber stamp if it works well. And democracy requires dissent. And I think that there are so many lessons to learn 
about learning how to work together with opposite points of view. All 254 counties in Texas, no matter how large or small, have five commission, well, five that sit in commissioner's court, four representing different precincts, and of course, the county judge. And this is uh, the essence of finding an equitable way to govern. So governance is hard. I'm also struck by how much need there is in a community, even the size of Nueces. And I think that we need to remember that we have an obligation to work within the confines of the dollars that we're given. So sometimes we want more than we have, and we do need to find the best way uh, to let um, the, the best decision come forward. And sometimes it requires a phased in approach and not changing things overnight. Most of the problems that I face did not come overnight and they will not be solved overnight. But with a long range strategy, there's nothing that I think we cannot accomplish. So those are my lessons learned. And boy, have my eyes have been open to the complexities of government. That focus on community engagement and inclusion is super encouraging. Zooming in on that, are you able to talk us through a really difficult decision you've had to make while county judge, the different interest groups, the factors at play that you had to balance and how you were able to actually come to a a final decision? Yes, there are so many. I feel like every time I sit in commissioner's court, that balancing act takes place. I think when I reflect upon COVID-19 and one of the most difficult decisions that I had to make where really balancing interest comes to mind is last July, we were faced with just an unspeakable amount of human tragedy in our midst. We lost so many people to COVID-19. Our hospitals were full. And as I said, we might be sort of a big, small community, but we do serve as the healthcare region for over 11 counties in our council of governments over 19 for our medical examiner's office. People look to us to be the leader all around us. When we were faced with being number one in the nation with positivity rates per capita, we found ourselves in a very difficult dilemma. As I mentioned before, what I love so much about our community is that we are a coastal community and we have the Gulf of Mexico and the Intercoastal Canal, our bays and estuaries are some of our greatest assets. But you can imagine when you have a jewel like that, other people think you're pretty special too. And so Texas comes to the beach in the summer. We found ourselves with the dilemma of having to make the decision what we were going to do about this influx of folks who were coming and our hospitals being at capacity, our healthcare workers exhausted, our resources depleted, and our emergency management staff really unable to handle all of the calls of crisis. And so it fell upon me to make a decision to take two additional weeks after, oh, and as I said, there was this minor thing that happened at the same time. And that was an unwanted guest by the name of Hurricane Hannah, who hit us on July 25th. And as a result of the debris that she left behind and COVID-19, I made the decision to restrict access roads to the beach for two weeks, additional two weeks. We had all made a decision in the region to restrict access to the beaches, not to close them. In fact, quite the opposite, to leave them open, but to not encourage throngs of people, tens of thousands of people from coming into the community where COVID-19 could be passed when we had no real therapeutics, at our disposal, and certainly no vaccine last summer. So July went well because we had a consensus. 
at the end of July, there was a tremendous clamoring to people were frustrated. They wanted out of their homes. They wanted away from masks and the beach afforded them this opportunity for wellness. And I had to make the difficult decision that the interest of human life was greater than the interest of driving on the beach. I think there was tremendous backlash. Sometimes I even think it, well, I know it exists even today, but that was a decision that was one of the hardest for me because I knew the beach was a place where I myself go every weekend to try to just relax and find tranquility. But I also knew that we couldn't afford to have the extra tens of thousands of people at the convenience store and the gas stations and the retail shops in very small beach seaside communities because we were already at a breaking point. That to me was the most challenging balancing test I've ever had to face because I didn't have one other elected who really wanted to stand by my side and say, this was the right thing to do. Sometimes governing can be very lonely, but you always have to rely on what the data, the science, your community leaders, and most importantly, what you know in your heart and in your mind that it is the right thing to do. It sounds like this happens quite a lot, that there is maybe tension between what you, Judge Canales, think about an issue based on all of the resources you have at your disposal, the data, the sciences you just mentioned, and perhaps either what the other elected officials think or your constituents themselves. How do you go about resolving that tension? How do you decide which hill is worth dying on uh, mm-hmm. and when to potentially put your own interests behind those of what your constituents might be expressing? Yeah, boy, that's, that is the you know million dollar question. I I can tell you that I really believe that one of the greatest assets that I have is, and I said this earlier in the podcast, is relying on people that you believe to provide great counsel in emergency management. It's not just myself. There are hundreds of years of experience around me every day. Texas happens to have the distinction. We are the state that has the most disasters of any other state in the nation. Now, that sounds like a terrible thing. The only silver lining is that that means we have the most experience. And so what I think that I really needed to do is in creating that wisdom around me is learn how to listen very carefully and learn how to be an advocate and learn that sometimes standing alone is what people need in leadership. That is something that was taught to me at an early age, that you fight for what you believe in. It is the silence, you know, of our friends that can be more hurtful than the hatred, you know, the hate of our enemies, right? And so I think being silent is the most dangerous thing that we can be if we need to speak up or speak out on an issue. I do weigh very carefully if those that don't want to join me feel that way. Respect is so critical. Respect the fact that they feel differently or that they're not going to find the courage to to say, I'll come and echo what you say. I think that it's just very important to take that deep breath. Remember that everything that you do, you've got to analyze it from two levels, the 30,000 foot big picture. There's always that metaphor to sports playing the long ball. And then also making sure that you can get those first downs. Sometimes you don't have to score a touchdown to win a game, but you do need to keep advancing the ball. And I think that for me, learning which battles to fight 
is, is absolutely critical. I am an advocate in my profession. I have a law degree, but I'm also a hybrid. I have an engineering degree too. So I think I know how to be a problem solver without causing a problem, but I am sort of famous or infamous for letting you know how I feel. And I think being authentic and vulnerable with this residence is so critical. I love telling personal stories. I share them not to embarrass my family, but to let them know that I'm a mom, a wife, a daughter, a sister. And so by sharing with them my own fears or my own concerns or my own anecdotal stories at my kitchen table, I think people feel that maybe they don't agree with my decisions, but they can respect them. That's how I do it. And it helps me get through every day. Judge, you have five children. To Correct. What ex- yeah. To what extent has watching them grow up into, I guess, fully fledged citizens, some of them, inform your work as an elected official and, and ultimately the one responsible for, for so many lives in your county? Oh my goodness. Now I'll get emotional so much. It's amazing how, and they don't even know it. So often they'll call and I've had such a crazy, stressful day, particularly last year during COVID. And they'll say, what did you do today? As if I almost had nothing to do. And I just love the carefree nature that they bring to my life. They remind me of being a woman and a mother and how important it is to remember that family is what we're all about. That's what community is. It's just one large family. But my youngest child is a child living with special needs. She is a warrior uh, having survived cancer. She is American living with disabilities. So can you imagine what it feels like for me as a judge to be able to say, we will make all our county facilities compliant with the American with Disabilities Act. We will make certain that all Nueces County residents have the ability to access our websites, our facilities, our events, our press conferences. I know exactly what it means to not be able to be included. and how that makes a mother feel of a child living with those disabilities. I feel like because Jackie's a warrior, I'm a warrior's mother, and I want to make sure that I'm fighting for all the Jackies that are out there. And I think that that is um, an example of how your personal life as a mother can highly influence your passion for certain themes. I will tell you that it carries over for behavioral health and for me because I've watched her struggle. I've watched us be with other families for the past 17 years that she's been chronically ill. And I have a tremendous amount of empathy for those families who are dealing with any kind of mental health or behavioral health issues. And I also think that conversely, the children that are thriving economically, spiritually, and physically, I see them as an inspiration to want to get those kids to think of their hometown as a place they would like to live in. How can I get my New Yorkers to think that their future might lie back in South Texas where they were born and raised? The way I do that is by fostering and nurturing a community that thrives economically and also values arts, culture, and the environment, because that's what they love about the metropolitan cities that they live in. And so I think that from my children who are so diverse, and I'm also the stepmom for three more, we have artists and dancers and 
finance specialists, lawyers, entrepreneurs, and techies. And I just feel like we represent what all parents want for their children. We want them to be healthy. We want them to be happy. And we want them to be economically stable. And that's the exact community I want. I want a healthy community. I want an economically stable and prosperous community. And I want a community that loves where they live. If you really want to know the secret to me is that I'm moved by my children and I I look to them for this inspiration because it can be really tough every day battling bureaucracy. If you have a source of inspiration like a Jackie Black, it doesn't take you a nanosecond to get out of bed and realize you have work to do. That's uh, that's incredibly powerful and appreciate you sharing that. Maybe sticking on this more optimistic bent as opposed to focusing too much on some of the challenges that the county in the US has faced in the past 18 months. As we look forward to 2022, 2023 and beyond, what's really encouraging for you? What are you excited about both from a maybe a Nueces County specific bent, but also uh, globally? Yeah, great question. Well, I'm excited. I'm a petroleum engineer by my background, and I spent six years at the Port of Corpus Christi. I've mentioned to you that we are driven by energy and in large part by natural gas and crude oil, but my optimism comes in the transition that I am witnessing before my very eyes. And just like I could never imagine the renaissance that domestic uh, crude oil would have in our country and in our state, making us energy independent for the first time ever. I could have never imagined the fast transition to the decarbonization of our industrial spaces. That is, I'm looking at carbon capture as an incredibly optimistic piece of our new fueling our port today and our blue hydrogen projects, green hydrogen projects as a source of incredible optimism. I always knew that America could be great innovators. And I always knew that we would rise to the challenge of climate change and the decarbonization. But what I couldn't imagine is how incredibly quick the new kids on the block, all of the new energy companies and some of the old ones would embrace the idea that we could do both and we could do both successfully. And I believe the port that I love and served will be one of the first in the nation and to be the county judge that gets to say, this is my home. This is where it started for the energy industry is very exciting. Coupled with the fact that we are going to have the largest cable suspension bridge built here in Nueces County, North America is very exciting. It's not only architecturally beautiful, it is going to be quite fantastic to see something of this magnitude built here in Texas. It's been a long time since we've had this kind of project of infrastructure. If you couple that with the truly hundreds of millions of dollars that are headed our way for coastal resiliency, I envision a new beautiful pier on our gorgeous Padre Island National Seashore. I imagine the amenities that will bring people all the way from New Zealand to come and surf here and fish here and walk amongst this incredible sanctuary of wetlands which hits the Gulf. It's it's just at a it's an amazing place. I'm excited and optimistic about our educational institutions with our world-class research facilities here, mainly led by the Marine Institute called the Heart Research Institute, but also with other aspects, including a potential public health school, 
We're one of the best drama schools in the region. I, I think there is so much to be optimistic about. And I'm often reminded that it is a new day in so many ways. It's a new day because we have a vaccine. It's a new day because we have an optimistic future ahead of us with such amazing innovation, great infrastructure projects. It's also a new day because I do think that uh, whether you love the country or the coast, South Texas is a wonderful place to live and play and work. And raising your family here is, I think, the goal for me to be able to say, I want to live there. And I see people moving from all over the country every day to Texas. And I honestly can see why. It's a culture like no other. It's a friendliness and love of, as I said, family in the land. And I think that we have a climate here where we foster and nurture people who want to build their own dream with a small business or a large one. This is why I say we are an optimistic county. We think that we have a role to play. I don't think I want to be Dallas or Houston. I don't want to be anything that we're not. I talked about being authentic as a person and as a leader. I think a county also needs to be authentic. Be who you are. So wear a place where you can come and have pecan pie at the county fair, or you can come surf or release hatchlings of Kemp Ridley turtles once a year. And I think that this is also a place where you'll see global trade. And we are a safer country when we are an energy independent country. We are a community that understands our role in conservation and the environment. And I think that we can affect in many ways the movement that we see as a positive balance, if you will, between the ecosystem and the energy industry. We think it starts here in South Texas. Fantastic. As a closing question, it's traditional here on City Hall Stories. We're going to ask, what's one accepted truth of local government that you, Judge Canales, think is incorrect? I think the starting from the, the very get-go and how we become electeds is that you're sometimes I hear young people, old people say, my vote doesn't matter. It does. It matters greatly. If you want to see transformational change, it starts with voting. It starts with saying, I choose this leader to help make this community a certain way. The, the myth that I see is that government in many people's eyes doesn't work. I've seen that it can. People feel that we are a divisive nation, and that might be true, but local politics are the best politics because there's nothing divisive about a beach. There's nothing that talks about party lines, about building new roads for the county, or making certain that there's broadband access or Wi-Fi for our children in the country. The backyard of all of us can be governed in a very local sense. And that's the best part of politics. I always say we might run on a two-party system, but once we're elected, I want to be your judge and I want to be somebody that represents our whole community. I feel like so often we feel that government doesn't work because we're, we can't, it's too elusive or it seems perhaps hypocritical or we become cynical about government. Get involved with local government, city government, county government. It's about solving problems that happen every day in your backyard. That to me is the biggest myth that you can't have a connection uh, with your elected official. You can. My office is open every day. I give out my cell phone and my email and you might think that people abuse it. 
very rarely do they. I find that transparency and being able to say, we serve the people, this is your house, I am your judge, is something that most people don't believe until they come and spend time with us. So that's the big myth buster I have, is that if you want the change that you seek, first believe that your vote matters. And second, engage with your local officials. Local politics is the best type of politics there is around. What a great way to end. Uh, Judge, have really enjoyed your candid thoughts on leadership, family, and your love for Nueces County. We wish you the best of luck in continuing as a national leader in trade, research, and culture. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's me again. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and connect with me on LinkedIn. See you soon.